0: I want to share um, a little bit this morning, just going into what Andre is going to be preaching on, and I'm really excited about Andre's vision for the next couple of weeks. I know that for the next three weeks, he's going to be sharing on faith and deepening our faith and questioning our faith, and then going into a series on building up leaders and um, yeah, just really igniting a passion within us. Um, this morning, I want to just share something that, that may just sort of rock the boat a little bit. But I believe it's going to rock the boat in a good way. Um, it's, it's a message that, that I grappled with when I resigned from the Methodist church. Um, and when I stood up at one of the, the local synods, I made a declaration to the church that, that if they don't look after what God has installed in them, there's going to be an institution of empty pews rather than a church filled with spirit-filled Christians and, and soldiers. And... I think that's what I truly enjoy about coming here to Shofar, is, is that it's not about hierarchy. It's not about position. It's not about power. But it's about the fivefold ministry. And I mean, Andre's book, um, and, and certainly the whole series last year, was about standing up and being counted um, as Christians. And I want to just take this a little bit further as we begin our year of, of seeking God's face. Um, let, me, let me just start by saying, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Okay. I want you just to imagine that you are sitting around a table. And at the head of the table is a man from Bethlehem, a man from Nazareth called Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, you know this man, you've, you've heard lots about him, you've walked with him for three years. And you know that he's just been crucified and you know that he's just come back to life. He's sitting across the table to you and he's saying to you, guys, there are only about 12 of you, 13 of you. You've, you've given your lives to him for the last three years. You've left your boats. You've disowned him at the cross. But he's saying to you right now, he's saying, guys, I'm going to leave. I'm getting on a jet plane and I'm going. But I'm going to fill you with somebody more powerful. Somebody more wonderful. Somebody that's going to allow you to do the things that I've been doing. The things that you've seen me do. The the healing of lepers. The multiplication of five loaves and two fishes. Walking on the water. Those things that you watched me do. I'm going to go so that somebody greater than me can come into your heart. Into your life. Into your being. That you may do these things. And then he ends off by saying go into all the world. Proclaim my gospel. Baptize in my name. And teach the people. That there's a new way of life. The question I want to ask you this morning is. Would you be able to do it? Would you be able to look Jesus in the eyes and say. I am ready. For this challenge. I am ready for this task. Okay now. Open your eyes. We're about to witness Andre's last series in this church. For those that don't know, Andre has been called to the head office of Shofar. He's going to sit in London. He and Sonica will be leaving in a term. They're going. The sad news is that Shofar have decided not to replace Andre. Because their motivation is that Andre has done such a sterling job here over the last couple of years. They believe we are ready to impact the city. (laughs) I don't know if that's because you want Andre to leave or... (laughs) (laughs) Just checking. (laughs) The point is, is this church able to operate outside of Andre? Because of the work that he has done in our lives, because of what he has taught us, because of the encounters, because of the prayer that he's put into our lives, are we ready to take the city by storm? Are we ready to say, you know what, we don't go to church because we are the church. We come to a worship service. We come to a place where we gather with other soldiers, other Christians. And on Sunday morning, we don't pray for the spirit of God to be here because we acknowledge that the spirit of God is with us wherever we are. And that's what I believe faith is all about. Faith is about saying to the world, I believe I can do everything that Christ achieved here on earth. I believe in the fivefold ministry. I believe in the priesthood of all believers. I believe that I am called not to just be a pew warmer, not to just be somebody that gives money. Not to just be somebody that gets in the car every morning on Sunday morning, dressed in my flippant lines, having an argument with my wife because she's late, because we've got to go to church. No, I believe I am the church. I believe that I am the epitome of what God died on the cross for. And so as Andre challenges us over the next three weeks, there's a challenge that I would like to add to that. And that is, how deep is your faith? You see, the reality of the upside-down kingdom that that, that Andre has been speaking about is the reality of what we need to achieve. The institutional church is about coming here, sitting in the pew, listening to a pastor, not even agreeing, not even saying amen. Do you think that's what Jesus said to the 12 disciples? Do you think he said, I just want you to look at me, shut your mouths, and not engage me? And we know Andre's heart. He's been saying, why? Come on, talk to me. It's horrible being up here. It is. You start to wonder where the people are sleeping. You start to wonder whether people have got something in their stomach that they're trying to keep in because of the meal before. You're like, you're mesmerized by the fact that you are surrounded by some dummies and some beautiful dummies. Are we engaged in the fight for God? Are we engaged for the kingdom to come here, not in this church, but in this church? That this church may go out and establish a kingdom for God. That's what it's about. It's about proclaiming the year of the Lord, the year's favor. And so this morning, I want to just read a passage, and I'm going to stop it every now and again. But it comes from James chapter 2. Now, you must know that I come out of a Methodist background. And John Wesley founded the Methodist Church. He has a little bit of useless information. But he founded the Methodist Church out of Ephesians 2, verse 8. Now, anybody that knows what Ephesians 2, verse 8 will say, For you are saved by grace and not by works, lest anyone should boast. But we never quoted Ephesians 2, verse 10 as Methodists. It says, Where works have been prepared for you. So. The link between faith and works is so tight but i think sometimes we only get to a point where we worry about our faith we worry about whether i've done enough courses we worry about whether i've been to enough synods we worry about whether i've listened to enough billy grahams we worry about whether we've listened to enough sermons from andre we worry about our faith and our spirituality sitting in the pew yes tick it off i went to church today did you go to church i mean we've seen a number of people aren't here this morning Phone them, ask them. Hey, did you go to church? No, I didn't go to church. Oh, I did. (laughs) I'm going to save us. It's not going to establish the kingdom. Thank you. Thank you. There's a hundred dummies here and one vibrant Christian. James chapter 2. Yeah, we got half a dummy (laughs) here. What? Does it profit, listen to this, what does it profit, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Jeez, that's impressive. Thanks, Andre. Okay. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them things that are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You see, friends, faith only grows. Faith only grows when we put it into action. Do you know that? When I went to, to Brazil, I've been a pastor for 20 years, I've been to seminary, I've been in, in university. I, I am the most qualified person. I am. I got it on paper. I have. I had certificates on my wall in my office in Victoria. Yo, I was the man. I was, I was going to be a bishop. I, I'm, I was climbing the ladder. So for 21 years, I did all this stuff, preached, took in your money. Until one day I was in Brazil. And there was an oak in front of me in a wheelchair. And I looked at him and we were in a healing service. I knew what he wanted. I knew he wanted to get out of his wheelchair and walk. But yeah, it was I With all the accolades and the degrees and the doctorates and the... the, (laughs) Ellen, Ellen, come, come, come. Mark, come, come. I need your help here, brother. And they never came. They never came. And they never came. And all of a sudden, I realized I was the church. I had no pastor because he was shouting at us to do more work. I never had brothers because they were busy healing other people. And here I was, this man in the wheelchair. He wanted to walk. You see, faith without works is dead. It's no good saying I'm a Christian. It's no good me going to church. It's no good me looking at people who are weak, people who are poor, people who are struggling and saying, go in peace. There's an element of the church stepping out of this building and saying, the church has arrived. And I'm the epitome of Christ. We spoke it this morning. It was beautiful. Hunley was just sharing. It. She had a vision about popcorn. And beautiful. We are like little popcorn seeds. And we sit in this, this, this little pot of oil. And, and Dion is on the, on the, on the, on the guitar. And, and the oil starts getting hot. Yeah, it starts to feel warm. But you know what, until we pop, until we become that white fluffy substance that makes a difference in everybody's life. We will remain hard little kernels that can do nothing. We are filled with potential. We are filled with potential to become white, fluffy, beautiful popcorn that everybody eats. But nobody eats hard kernels. This is the reality, friends, of what I'm trying to challenge you with. You see, it doesn't profit us to be in church here this morning, I'm sorry to say. And Andre will be the first one to tell you. You haven't haven't been awarded extra points for when you die. And he's going to say, well, on the 7th of January, it's still holiday. And the Oaks were out on the beach. And it's a beautiful, glorious day. You know what? You're going to get an extra few points. Because you came and sat and listened to Syncock. It's not like that, friends. It's not like that. What it is like is when you and I leave this pot of boiling oil and we go into our work situations or we go to Hemingway's and we start encountering people who don't even know what the church is all about. And we start sitting with them and saying, do you know this Jesus? And that's what the first century church was all about. They never gathered in places like this. They never put Peter behind a pulpit and said, "Now you preach, brother they said you know what we're going to share with people our experiences of the risen christ and that's what they did and this is what andre has been trying to tell us as a church for so long get out there take the fivefold ministry turn this kingdom upside down and let's win people for the souls of jesus christ that's when revival comes friends You see, the new church, the New Testament church, was big on people expressing their relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about saying, What church do you go to? I oh, know, I go to Shofar. Where's that church? Oh no, it's down there by Evergreen Lawns. It's across from Pine. It's about saying to the people, Which church do you go to? Yeah, I am the church. Because Jesus Christ lives in me, because Jesus Christ has filled me. And so my challenge to us as a church, as a building of believers, as the people that come together, as we are challenged with our faith, we need to start putting it into action. We need to start living it out. We need to start being real. What we have done is we have allowed other people to become our our Christian. It's very easy to sit here and say, what an incredible sermon. you Andre can preach and you can, you can. But Andre's preaching doesn't save us. Andre's preaching doesn't save the beggars out there. Andre's preaching doesn't save the people who don't hear. What does save it is when Andre's sermon becomes real and living inside of us and we start expressing it on the outside. That's when faith becomes real. It's no good going home and saying, yeah, that was powerful, man. The word has to become alive. The word has to start sprouting forth. It's like this. Don't ever invite Mark Doolin to your house. Don't. He came to my house the other night. We had a briar. And unfortunately, I gave his youngest son a toy to play with. It was a ball on a string and it, it sparks on. He just swung it. My wife's brand new flowers that we planted, in, it's the third time we tried to plant, they were just flying. <laughs> I said, Jared, what are you doing? Anyway, what we did is we picked up those pieces and we put them in water. And you know what? About four weeks later, Jared had given to us not only two flowers, but 30 flowers. Because we have been able to get roots out of the carnage. And and you know what, guys? Jesus wants the roots out of our carnage. And it's not a case of us taking the flower, putting it in water, and then after two hours we take it out, we pack it away. Next Sunday we take the flower, we put it in the water for two hours, and we say, yeah, that water's great, yeah, take it out. Those flowers are stayed in that water. It's not about us experiencing the Spirit of God for two hours, and then we say, thank you very much, Andre, great service. It's about the water and the Spirit of God living in us taking up carnage, making a root, and making new flowers. And the question I want to ask you today is, are you ready to do that? Jeremiah 31 verse 33 says, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. You see, do you remember when Jesus, just before he was crucified, he says, I am going to destroy the temple. I am going to destroy that temple on the hill. And in three days, I am going to build a new temple. Was in fact, I think that was that statement that actually angered the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and everybody else. I'm going to destroy that temple. And I'm going to build a new one in three days. And we all know what happens. Jesus destroys institutional church. Jesus destroys these people that go to the synagogue every Sunday. And he says, and in three days, I'm going to build a church that is going to move like ants across this world. And they are just going to spread love. And they are just going to spread forgiveness. And they are just going to spread grace. Okay? The question we've got to ask ourselves is, Have we done that? Are we still doing that? Because the law of God is not written on those tablets that Moses brought down. It's written on our hearts. It's written in our minds. We are the law. We are the grace. We are the Christ. Because we have the spirit of God in us. It's a massive challenge, friends. I'll never forget went to Nazarene up in Joburg, got on a train, off to Bloemfontein. I was going to be enlisted in the army, purely because I was just a South African in that time. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I go to the army. I get on the truck. I drive through Bloemfontein. I think I'm an absolute hero. I am so scared. My hair's been chopped off. It's never recovered since the flippant oats got hold of it. <laughs> But I, and then I walk into this room, and, and, and there's, a, there's a sponge mattress that I can't sleep on because it's got to be square in the morning when some oak decides he wants to be vindictive. Hey, this is me. I'm the army. Now, can you imagine if we had gone through those gates at Tempe, and then all of a sudden we just sat there for two years doing nothing? I think sometimes the church is like that. Sometimes we are like that. We get saved, and we get excited. And we leave our old selves and we go to the barracks and we sit on the bed. And then we just sit and wait for the corporal and the lieutenants to shout at us. You see, for the world to be changed, the Christian army needs to go beyond the gates and say, where do you want me? I want to be on the front line. I want to be in the trenches. I want to be in the face of cancer. I want to be in the face of pornography. I want to be in the face of marital problems. You see, friends, we can't honestly say that we are the army of God when we are allowing those things to get the best of us. We can't honestly say that, that when relationships are, are wrong, when, when we sit here today in church and we've gone through worship, and I'm, and I, and I'm speaking to myself, your friends, so I'm not judging us. And, and, I, and I hope I'm not making you feel uncomfortable. I've been through a divorce. And it's been a painful, painful experience. That's why God's word says, don't do it. I've also been in a situation where I've had family backgrounds where where my relationships with brothers and sisters is not good. Don't go there. I've also been in a situation where somebody has died and God has laid on my heart. Just go and pray with them. And I've been too busy. And then it's too late. You see, being a soldier of God, being in God's army means that it comes first. That everything about our lives, about our words, about our actions is about who we are in Christ. It's about that law being written on our hearts of flesh, not hearts of stone. And we need to move beyond. we can't we can't. Here I am as a divorced man. but I don't want to say that if your marriage is struggling, you cannot be sitting in this church unaffected. Because the grace of God affects marriages to be strong. The grace of God affects relationships to be built up again. The grace of God builds up people who will have compassion for the poor and the dying and the sick. Casting Crown sings a song we were listening to this morning, Julie and I, as we were coming here. It says, break my heart for what breaks yours. The church must have a broken heart for the broken people. And it's not a phone call to Andre and say, Andre, why don't you just go and pray for this person? Yeah, he doesn't go to church and he doesn't believe, but I think. It's about, Andre, can you come with me? I want to go with you. I want to walk on water. I want to break the spiritual background around this person's situation. You see, because the temple is inside of us, we are the temple, we are the new church. Do we have the faith to believe that? You see, if we are serious about revival, then we need to accept that it is affected. Listen to this, that it is affected by how we see our role in revival. It's not about how many good preachers come to this church and how many people from out of town and who has prophecies. It's affected by how we see our role in the revival of our city. We have an important role to play, friends. In fact, we have the only role to play. Because we can have all the great sermons in this church. We can have all the great worship in this church. And we truly do. But we've got to transfer it from here to there. It's affected by our role. And we say it every year. But let's say it again. Let 2018 be a year. When we look back on it, we say, it doesn't matter how many numbers we have grown by. But how deep have we grown? How strong have we become? How many miracles have been seen? How many people's lives have been changed? Because the temple is not a building. It's a people called Christians. And we are called by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me just prove it to you. 1 Peter 2 verse 5. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, a holy priesthood. God intended for every person to be a priest. And we need to be affected by our role in that. And revival doesn't come when people called Christians don't acknowledge their role. We are a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The beautiful thing about today is that we are reminded about what Jesus did on the cross. We are reminded about the temple that he destroyed so that you and I can be empowered. It's an amazing gift. I don't want to say it in South Africa because I think it's such a touchy subject. But it's about the president of a country saying i'm going to step down and the guy on the street corner is going to be empowered to lead the country wow it's about jacob zuma walking into pretoria and going to this the robots at union buildings and seeing someone that's got no teeth and saying come with me my brother you are now the president because i've resigned you now run the country Jesus Christ, because I'm going to a better place, I'm giving you a better person to follow. Wow. The soap just died on the cross. The soap just got spat on. The soap just got kicked. The soap just had a, a, a sword pierced into his side. And, and now he's saying, I'm going so that you can be like me. When we accept that, when we understand that, when we acknowledge that, this world is going to be a different place. And that's what faith is. Faith is about believing with all sincerity about what God has done for you and I to make us better people. Going back to, to James, verse 18 says, But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Where are people attacked? We feel safe in this church. We're not going to get attacked in this church. Trust me. Even the devil knows that this is a place where holy people gather. Where is he going to attack us? When we're alone. When we're out in the battlefield. When we have a decision to make. When we have a word of encouragement to call. When we have people to phone. When we have relationships to restore. There is where devil says to us, undo it. You can't do it. You, you're not equipped. You're not empowered. You can't talk. And then we just leave it. And we become churchgoers rather than becoming church. You see, faith is believing I can move mountains. Faith is believing that I can get out of the boat and walk on water. Faith is believing that I have every power entrusted to me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Faith is believing that we can become great. I want to ask you the question. Do you believe that the devil knows that God exists? Absolutely. That's not our fight. I going to try and tell the devil that God doesn't exist or that God exists and is greater. The scripture is filled with, with scriptures that tell us that even the devil knows that God is great. But if the people called Christians don't tell those people who don't know God is great, then those people live in captivity. We have to share our testimony. We have to be so excited about sharing that God is great, that the people that are in our offices, the people that are on the sports field with us, the people that we live with, they become so attracted to this gospel to this message to this testimony that they say Jesus, i want something of that and that is how the church grew in numbers when jesus left the 12 disciples i believe when when relationships are, are restored when marriages are healed when pornography is halted when we start praying for healing and we start praying for miracles when we give to the poor and we empower them, when we bring the gospel to the lost, to those people who the society has destroyed, I believe when those things are given to those people, the church can truly say, we have done what Jesus Christ did on this earth. I want to just close by saying that faith without works is dead. I want to challenge us as a church to become real. I want to challenge us to become righteous. You see, as we deal with faith, I have to ask myself every day, what pleases God? What pleases God? Do you think, once again, I'm not knocking, but do you think this pleases God? To a point it does. But what will please God even more is when we take the feeling that we have in our hearts right now. We go out beyond those doors. And everything that we have learned and everything we've sung and everything we believe in is transferred into an action that changes somebody's life. I believe that pleases God. I believe when we pick up the phone and phone somebody to encourage them when they are feeling down. I'll tell you a story. Standing on the beach now, and I want to say that I've been very holy, Dion. I, this is the first time I've worn shoes in about five weeks. So I've been holy. And it's been very hard to put socks on. But I'm standing on the beach and I'm talking to one of Julie's aunts. It was an amazing thing because she had a brain bleed, started vomiting one night. They put her into a hospital. She was lying in hospital. Nobody looked at her. And the next morning she was just lying there and and somebody just said uh, doctor looked at her and said, Geez, we've got a problem here. They thought it was gastric because she had been vomiting, so they just said, Well, let her just put on a drip and you know it'll feed through, and in the morning she can go home. Anyway, the next morning she would passed out, she was gone, she was she was on her way out of the world. Phone phoned the sister, the, the daughter from England, phoned the daughter from Cape Town, phoned the daughter. Get you, get you, guys. Your mom is dying. It's from a gastric diagnosis. Just put up a drip and let it lie there. Anyway, the next morning, they started, they started putting stents in. They started draining the brain. And for eight days, she was, she was unconscious. And I asked her, I said, Marianne, do you remember anything? Do you remember Lucy being there? She says, I remember nothing. And she was even sitting up and talking to them. She remembers nothing of that. But the one thing she said to me, she said, Gareth, I've never thanked you. I said, for what, Auntie Marianne? She says, Do you know that your phone call to Uncle Pat, the day after it happened, I phoned him. And I was in two minds. I even said to Julie, Do you think I should phone? Do you think I should phone? And, 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 and Julie said, oh, I don't know. You know, just leave it, you know, my mom. And, and I just decided I'm going to phone. And I phoned him. I said, Uncle Pat, I get emotional. I just want to tell you that I'm praying for you. Now, this Oak's seven foot five, he's played rugby against New Zealand. He's played rugby for SA colleges. He's been a teacher for 40 years. He is a booming man. He has a little pipsqueak like me phoning the soak and saying, Uncle Pat, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm keeping you in my prayers. And while I was saying it, I was like feeling so insignificant. But the other day she came and she put her arm around me and she just said, Your phone call. Your phone call meant the will to you. And it gave him the strength to carry on. Visiting me in hospital. Now I didn't do it because I was going to be the church. I did it because I was a pipsqueak. But imagine when we start doing things intentionally because we are Christians. Can you imagine when we start doing things because we know that we are empowered by God. We have the faith in our side of us to change the world. It doesn't matter what people think of us friends. It matters whether we are pleasing God. It matters whether the popcorn is popping. It matters whether the flower is in the water and continually in the water. The question we've got to ask ourselves is how many of us are going to go home from now and make the word of God central to our lives? For those of us who just allow Andre's sermon week after week to be the only time when we delve into the Bible, our faith will never grow. We can't put plants in and out of water. It's got to stay there. That is the water that feeds life. The word of God is what changes and transforms us. And it's no good having it preached over our heads once a week. We need to get into it seriously. And we need to ask ourselves, where do I need to change? And it's a hard thing. Faith without works. We cannot be faithful if we are arrogant. We cannot be faithful if we are holding on to our resentments. We cannot be faithful if we are holding on to our stubbornnesses. And if there are things in our lives that we need to cut off, things on our shoes that we need to take off, Things that are man-made that we hold on to. Take off the shoes and throw them away. But let's be faithful to what God has done on the cross. And I believe this church called the people that are gathered here today will begin to transform. And so my last scripture that I want to leave with you today is 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 and 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. It says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? That's easy to remember, friends. John 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 is even more powerful. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? How can we argue? He then reiterates it again in 6 verse 19. He says, or do you not know that your body, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own. The moment we are saved, the moment we surrender our lives to God, we are not our own. When I walked into the army for the first time, they told me, you don't even own yourself. If you cut yourself on, on, on pass. We'll charge you. You're telling me that if I go skiing and I break my nose, you're going to charge me legally? Yeah. Hey. Yeah, they believed that, these folks. These they believed it. Was happy, they were happy for me to jump out of a bush and break my leg. That, that's fine. No problem. I was doing their work. But the moment I give my life to God, I am not my own. Because the Spirit of God comes in. And it is a celebration of life. Let's build our faith this year, friends. Let's get into this fast. Let's get into the vision for the next five years. Let's be, let it not be Andre's vision. Let it be God's vision coming through Andre. And let it be a vision that we all embrace. A vision that we accept. A vision that we're going to fight for. A vision that we are going to surrender our lives for. Because the Spirit dwells in us. We are not our own anymore, friends. We have a mandate. We have a world to save. We have people to love. We have poor to feed. We have marriages to heal. Relationships to restore. May God bless you. May you look back on 2018. And say to yourself, that truly was the year when revival came into my life. That truly was the year when I stepped out of the boat and I walked on water. It truly was the year when the popcorn began to pop in my life. Let it pop. That could be quite a good song. Let it pop. Eh? Let it pop. Let us become a popping church. Let that church on the light there, let it pop. Let the walls pop. But let the kernels become something real. Something that they were intended to be. Let the potential pop. Can you imagine East London when we pop? Praise God.